0: Good afternoon all, Steve Parisi here with IBC Global. Hope the day is off to a great start as usual. Today we have a seasoned agent here on the call with us, on the podcast with us, Mr. Steve Timmons. How are you my friend? Doing great Steve, nice to see you. Likewise, I feel like it's been a while just with a uh, going, 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 going on stuff. Yeah. yeah, but I, I, I talk to you on Teams, you know, with our chat applications and such, so we're still connected, yeah.
1: Yeah, no, it's always been good, you've gone. Uh, It's been fun to work with the team. Everybody's just very energetic. Uh, A lot of great support and, you know, a lot of great people um, calling in, asking a lot of questions. So we're here to
0: help. Yeah, we like to have fun. You know, at at the end of the day, you kind of have fun. So today I want to talk about um, a really interesting topic, something you mentioned. You get a lot of questions around and call it this. Is a 1090 design always the best option for a client? if his or her goal is maximum cash value? Yeah, no, else? that's
1: a really good question. Um, one of the things that I always like to do is try to make sure that we understand what the, you know, the client's trying to you know, accomplish. What are their yeah. goals? Is it a short-term or is it a long-term? Uh, and one thing that we can say is we will make it the most efficient policy possible so that they can actually find their cash value growing on their behalf and not giving it to the insurance company uh but at the same time we have to understand what the flexibility is going to to incur so if you have a 1090 and you're doing it for 10 years easy peasy but if all of a sudden you're thinking that you want to do it for a longer period of time we really need to start thinking about are you going to give up flexibility for something that's going to be more contractual and then we have to try to weigh it out what's going to be more important um do you want to have that 1090 or the ability to be able to do it longer and again you might say that i like the flexibility piece okay but I'm not willing to give up that 1090. So yeah. then we're gonna to have to say, there will be other fees involved, such as monthly or quarterly, or yeah. um, you know other types of uh, payment transactions, uh, fees. But it Got still it. works out.
0: Got it, thank you for that. Um, so let me start with this question for listeners. What is a 1090 split? So I know that most people listening know that, but when you hear that phrase 1090 split, if I'm a consumer asking you, how how would you explain that?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, What that means is we're taking 10% of your contribution and we're putting it towards the cost of the insurance. So for example, everybody wants to know, how can I get cash value? Well, the PUA rider is basically going to allow you to put money towards the cash. So can we do it 100%? No, it is still a life insurance policy. And so we're reminded by the life insurance companies that there's a minimum amount, no less than 10%. So we'll put 10% towards the actual cost of the insurance, which is the base policy, and then the 90% is what we put towards the PUA, the paid up addition, that's going to go towards your cash value. And over time, that 90% is constantly growing your death benefit, it's including your cash value growth, it's giving you more guarantees and more dividends along the road, so it definitely um, starts to add up.
0: Yeah, you got it and if I may interject a little bit as well I mean that 1090 split kind of where it comes from as well So just like you said if you're paying money into a policy It can go toward the premium or it can go toward the PUA Rider Premium dollars with whole life insurance policies If we take a traditional whole life insurance product Usually equate to zero in cash value Whether that base premium is a thousand dollars ten thousand whatever it might be Zero in cash in the first year and sometimes the first and second year with most traditional retail whole life insurance products, but as time passes, those premium dollars do come back to cash value. But right off the bat, I have nothing in cash value. That's where people look at it and say, ah, that's where I'm not attracted to a whole life insurance policy. I don't like giving up money. Sure, PUA dollars. Go right to cash value, show up in cash value, begin to act. I can access it, begin to compound based on the guarantees, the dividends, all that good stuff. And where the 1090 design really comes from is it's not always a, a true 10% minimum. It really has to do with taking a whole life insurance policy and minimizing the premium as low as one particular insurance company will allow you to go contractually. So if we spitball a couple companies MassMutual will allow you to go how low in respect to the total payment on the base premium? 10% 10% They won't let you go any lower than that you can illustrate it but then they come back and say this won't be approved for sale it's rejected revise it (laughs) I've tried to push it through before (laughs) um, years ago. Guardian on the other hand to be very very clear and specific I'll take this one will allow you to pay 10x your base premium in PUA's per year So if you wanted to technically you could 11x it But that's only if a one-year term rider is attached if it's not it's technically 3x the the base premium PUA's If we were to take other carriers um, New York Life actually starts out at 10x but their limitations gradually decline over time. Take smaller companies like a Lafayette Life or a Security Mutual they don't have a multiplier they have their contract language is a little bit different where they have a maximum PUA Lafayette for example of $500,000 per year regardless of what that base premium is. Sure. Sometimes you structure it with a three ninety seven dollars or a five ninety five dollars with a term rider limits and such Uh, but there's pros and cons to that. But anyway I, I know I always give give too much information sometimes, but I just wanted to throw that out there as well. Cause the 1090 split, you get a lot of questions on it. It's always a good topic. Really what it means, like how you and I would explain it to someone is really what you're doing is just minimizing your expenses and stuffing money into cash, right?
1: Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And then at the same time, we have to also be aware of what happens to that because you've if you've overstuffed the policy, let's say. Yeah. Okay, it's coming out from the from the sides, from the fringes <laughs> of your policy, yeah. you know, you've overstuffed it. And so what happens is that's where we have to really be looking at the MEC level, the modified endowment contract. Yeah. And in order, you know, there's a couple of things, you know, people have always asked me, you know, so now that we do this 1090, why do I have to be concerned about the MEC? Well, the MEC can't occur because you've either overstuffed it for a period of time. And it just depends on what that period of time is that you're trying to work against, how much you've put in there. And then what happens is the way to defeat it is to increase the death benefit. So there's two ways to do it. One is by the cost of the insurance itself. The other is through um, term insurance where it's going to be cost efficient. And so you can raise it that way. Thus, you're getting outside of that 1090. But it doesn't mean that it's bad. What it means is it's giving you that opportunity to say, my goal is to put a lot of money in for a long period of time. And that way we can make sure that we're going to be meeting that goal uh, of how much you want to be able to put in. But at the same time,
0: there's a price for it. Definitely. No, thanks for mentioning that. And one thing too, I'd like to to mention before we get into how long we can fund a policy and some of the different limitations, which I know is, is really good to talk about. And you mentioned that before this call is with the MEC test. It's a good point you mentioned, where as far as Hey, if I have a 1090 or a 4060 or a 9010 with 90% base premium, 10% PUA, what is very, very interesting is when you look at that MEC test, especially beyond the first seven years, if a policy is going to MEC, it almost has nothing to do with the actual split or design of that policy. What it has to do with is the death benefit appreciation over time. And of course my age and how much the cash value is growing with it as well. But what's so interesting is when I run mech studies and I look at current assumptions, conservative assumptions, guarantees, and make sure that we're not going to mech in any type of, of situation. I've actually seen more cases and I've seen this happen in reality too when people have brought their policies to us is when I have a higher base premium if it's between that 30 and 60% range more people run into modified endowment contracts down the road when they thought they wouldn't and then they do. And it's never the agent's fault. Like to, to find transparency on this is difficult it has to do with the dividend rate declining the death benefit did not did not appreciate as fast as the client thought or I'm sorry as fast as what was originally anticipated on that illustration and things are different and the way to forecast that as an agent is by looking at an illustration with a more conservative dividend slower death benefit appreciation and that MEC test better better read no not maybe or year 23 like don't play around with that stuff. Um, anyway, that was very technical. I'm sorry to do that. <laughs> Any questions you have on that? <laughs> There's a lot
1: of knowledge in that head. That's gotcha. good. It's good. But that's what we're doing. You know, we're trying to make sure that we're not just looking at it for today, but we're looking at the long-term future. Um, you know, we're, we have people from various ages, you know, young kids who are being, you know, covered by their parents or their grandparents. We're being covered by, you know, young kids getting out of college. We're getting people who are um, looking at their kids... Because they're 40 years old, 30 years old, they're trying to figure out, I want to have something set up for them or for myself, so that when I retire, I'm ready to go. And we got people in their 60s, 70s, you know, coming to us as well saying, I need to do something, how can you help me? Um, So there's a whole slew of things, and we want to make sure that we understand all the ins and outs, what's going to, what's going to really affect this policy long term, what's going to affect it today? What's gonna affect it next year with the upcoming changes? You know, we wanna make sure that we're educating not only ourselves, but the client themselves so that they truly feel comfortable and that they understand, ah, this is what we're trying to do. I yeah. understand it. I wanna be able to tell my friends, you know, what a great uh, job you guys have done here at ABC, or IBC uh, and trying to make sure that, you know, we get an infinite banking uh, policy set up for me, my family, et cetera.
0: Got it, got it. No, thanks for mentioning that. And it's 100% our process. So let's pretend for a moment that I'm someone and I'm interested in putting in 100 grand per year into a policy. And and I say to you, I want maximum cash value. I'd like flexibility and I'm not sure how long I want to pay into it. Maybe it's 10 years that you and I discussed, but maybe it's 30 years. And again, I want maximum cash value. What are going to be some of my options?
1: Yeah. So what we would do is to say, if you're going to be putting in $100,000 a year, we would set it up to show you that, you know, with flexibility, are you trying to do it on an annual basis or are you going to be paying on a monthly basis?
0: Yeah. So ideally I'd like to do it annually, but I I don't want to get a bill for 100000 each year because, yeah, nope. cash, yeah I, I don't want that. So, I mean, I'm fine doing it annually, but let me ask this, what's the minimum I can pay because I don't care about the death benefit? The minimum I can pay just to satisfy the insurance and then really grow that cash value. Sure. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I always, you know, talk to them about if you're going to do $100,000, we're going to set it up so that the base policy is going to be at least $10,000, okay? And then there's going to be like a POA rider that's going to be attached to that. So you're going to be paying perhaps anywhere between another 1,000 to maybe two thousand. So let's say twelve to fifteen, just depending on what type of program we're putting you on. Is Guardian. Yeah.
0: I'm sorry. That one to two thousand is that the term rider? Yes. That, that you explain. Okay, keep going. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. So I just want to make sure, like with the with the term rider, we have to make sure that we're going to make sure that the policy is going to be whole, and yep. that you can still put in the minimum amount, and that term rider is going to be somewhere between eleven. Uh, 10,000 so it's gonna be 11,000 to 12,000 sometimes there might be a little bit more so that's if we're going to be utilizing something like. um, guardian if we're using mass we're going to put a Lister with it so you're basically getting the term and you're getting. um, The Pua and then if there's leftover which we're going to have a lot more leftover then we go towards the ailer for mass so between those two we're giving you options to say here we go 10% towards the base premium and there's a little bit of extra. We're going to set it up so you're going to get the flexibility, and then we're going to say, you said between 10 years and 30. Mm-hmm. So we need to know where that mech level is going to be hitting us, because after a while, it could hit us after 11 years. With this case, most likely it's not, um, because you're putting in a lot of money into it 11000 but we're going to double check to see how long. What we have to do is, once we know where that MEC level is, depending on the year that you're doing it, we're going to make it super efficient. If you're going to do it for 10 years, there's going to be less death benefit because we don't need to do it any longer than that. So why pay extra when you don't need to. However, if you're saying, I think I'm going to be going up to 30, I need to design it so that you have that ability to go 30 years. So I also ask, what's more important, the flexibility or having the know-how that I can just put it in there and I don't have to worry about it. So sometimes people are willing to pay a little bit more to get a stronger policy that's going to allow it to go full speed without having issues or to say we need to plan for it up front to make sure you have enough death benefit to allow you to go those 30 years.
0: Yeah, gotcha. Thanks for, for mentioning that. And I can give two company examples there too as well. Um, you know if you look at two of the four major mutuals that have a lot of flexibility you've got Guardian and Mass Mutual, Cream of the crop in terms of actual historical performance and you can build in a lot of PUA flexibility with both of them. Just from experience and you know knowing the products in and out Guardian is a carrier where if you have a client that says or an interested individual that says you know I'd like to pay in that $100,000 per year number like what we talked about and I want maximum cash value and I'm 50 years old now I'm going to fund it for a maximum of 10 years. I might pay something in there after but like after 10 years when I hit 60 I don't want to pay anything else in. Mm -hmm. Guardian especially on a guaranteed cash value standpoint and non-guaranteed standpoint if you've got one of their products and you say I want to juice this puppy for 10 years or less that will look fantastic. Guaranteed and non-guaranteed values. With a 1090 split, because you can max it with and it has to do with their term rider and how that's constructed. Now, that's a 1090 split that will look best with Guardian every single time, if I'm funding 10 years or less. If you said, well, I like Guardian because of the PUA flexibility, but I'd like to perhaps pay it in, pay into it for 30 years. Now all of a sudden their design with a 1090 split does not really accommodate that. You need a huge term rider. It gets ugly fast where honestly if someone wants to pay into a Guardian product for a long period of time A twenty-five seventy-five split may make more sense But then you're giving up more equity up front and if you're a business owner you look at that Some people that we work with have done that and have policies. Some people don't like that so in that particular case if I want a ten ninety split and I want to be able to pay into it for a long period of time without a mech and be able to carry that 10% base premium, I would do what?
1: <laughs> right. So if you're going to be wanting to have it for the longer period of time yeah. and you want to have it and you want to keep it as a 1090, yep. I'm going to be pushing towards uh, the mass mutual one.
0: Pivot toward mass because with the. There are two PUA riders you can attach on both at the same time. Now you can have that 1090, which means rich cash value upfront and rich cash value long-term, or you can pay into it for a long period of time. But then the potential trade-off is going back to that PUA flexibility. Right, right. Yeah, go ahead. And, and
1: that's where it's kind of nice because, you know, I've always said like with Mass Mutual, it's a slow moving freight, freight train, but once it gets going, it really does. And, it, and it's very strong. Um, because at the same time, I don't have to worry about, do I have to pay extra to be able to do it? The death benefit constantly grows over time. We don't have to try to second guess, all right, how long is it? Now, there are gonna be cases where we wanna make sure that based on how we set it up, we still need to have enough death benefit regardless. We just wanna make sure that 40 years, you know. By the time you're 88 years of age, we don't want you to be worrying about, do I need to be making a payment? Maybe you are making payments, but we're going to basically show you how you can do it before you retire. And then if you want to make payments afterwards because the way your business is growing or you have other needs for the money to be contributed, we can always set it so that you can still make contributions. We can set it up so that you're still covered, but no more contributions. So there's a lot of flexibility that people aren't aware of. And that's our job. Help make sure that you feel comfortable with it understand all the rules that you can, you know, do either a premium offset or do a reduced paid up just to allow you to make those extra payments or to say, I'm done. I want this policy for coverage. I still want to take out my loans. I still want to make, um, you know, take out the cash as I see fit for re- real estate or for other things.
0: Yeah, definitely. And the nice thing is, too, you can pivot as you go where you don't always have to declare a lot of that up front saying this is exactly what I'm going to do with the policy fund according to this schedule, because that that rarely happens. I don't want to say it doesn't happen, but life happens to everyone.
1: Absolutely. And nobody wants to get that bill for $100,000. So, yeah. you know, I always joke with my customers, like, nobody wants to get a $100,000. But if I can give you a $12,000 bill, you know, doesn't that sound a little bit more appealing? Because we do know life happens. And if it does, you can say three years from now, five years from now, you can say, you know what, this is going to be a tight year. What can we do? And we'll work with you. We'll make sure that we can get the the funds to go in to keep the policy going. And then we can find out, is this a long term or is this a short term? And then we'll work with you to make sure that the policy is still going to be active um, and then give you all the th- all the ramifications of what's going to happen based on what your avail- availability is for contributions at that point in time.
0: Yeah. And, and that's the a point, too, you mentioned on not wanting to have a big bill, like minimums and maximums. The question, what's the minimum I can pay in? I've gotten that, you know, I get that question from individuals that put in 3 grand per year and people that put in close to seven figures per year or seven figures a year. Like it's it's not it doesn't if I have a ton of money doesn't mean that I'm not concerned about what the minimum is.
1: Right. Right. And it depends on, you know, I want to say first off, you know, which company we're going to be talking about because, you know, it just depends on how it's set up. For example, with Mass Mutual, you got to pay, make sure that you're making the payment for the base and making sure that you're paying for the lister. And with Guardian, we gotta make sure that you're paying for the base and you're making sure that you pay for the PUA rider. And that's usually, um, you know, it's a a percentage of what the total amount is, um, but it's not, you know, it's not really big. It's just a a smaller piece of that.
0: Small amount, yeah. But I mean, the flexibility there is what attracts a lot of people. Um, You you know, if I want to using that round number of a hundred grand a year, I mean, that gives someone the ability to put away $100,000 per year into a high cash value life insurance policy being a safe liquid tax-free area to position their funds they have access to it you know from the borrowing standpoint nice death benefit there as well if they're concerned about that but they're not getting billed for hundred grand with that minimum premium i found so many people are attracted to this they say okay how low can I go because I don't ever want this to feel like a burden and I get the fact the premium does come back to cash value especially after the first and second year but it's still I view it in my mind as a commitment. So how do you set it at a number low enough Steve where it doesn't feel like that? Like that's that internal feeling that because people may have struggled in the past I have and it, it, you probably will again in the future like that always happens no matter what you what you plan for. So it's just setting it up right this way you can continue to make that minimum pr- premium payment without even thinking about it. You can do it in your sleep and that I found so much value in and it's the case for the guy that pays a million bucks per year in with that 100k base premium and the guy that pays in 10 grand per year with a $1,000 base premium. Like you treat them all the same with maximizing that cash value and flexibility. And like that is such such a sweet spot, or when I say sweet spot, a point of interest that people see and like, I want that. And that's the reason why, because life's happened to me in the past and I don't want it to happen again. Sure. And that's where I always
1: try to remind them, the PUA's are optional. Yeah. <laughs> you know, And that's the nice thing. It's like, wait a minute, I don't have to like, no. So it's it's understanding what the rules are and what those limitations You know, are around it so we can say, look, the the key are optional. So this makes sure that you have the minimum amount, keep the policy active, keep it so it doesn't lapse, keep it so that you're still covered, you still have access and now that it's optional, if you have extra cash flow or if if life happens, you know that in the next year or follow-up years, we can go back and say, can we make it up? Can we go ahead and continue? So those are some very, you know, it, it shows just how flexible these policies are. Because when I was younger, you know, somebody approached me and they kept on trying to say, oh, you got to pay for this for the rest of your life. And you looked at the dividends and it was you didn't get paid for the first couple of years, no cash value. My mm-hmm. wife was saying, where's my money? And I'm like, ah, yeah. oh, geez. But, you know, understanding it and seeing where the flexibility, that's where I love about what we were offering.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It it really just hits that, that attractive feature of cash value life insurance, the why everyone wants it. That is what leads right into it with a minimum expense. And they see the value. Um, let me, let's recap before I just have a couple uh closing questions for you on the, the split. So the The question we started with is is that 1090 split option or minimum premium option always the best option? And I mean really depends on how long you want to fund what company you're selecting. I mean We don't have to go through that with mass and guardian again, but when when will it really shine? So let me ask this and this can get a little technical, but it's Exactly what corporations and the big players do is if you were to look at different ways to design policies and someone asks you, say I'm a consumer and I say, I'm concerned about the guaranteed values. That's what I'm interested in, Steve, the guarantees. What's going to give me the most money when I look at the guaranteed values?
1: Yeah, I'm going to say that the 1090 is going to be very strong for it. Will and we can always run other numbers to show, you know what the guarantees are going to be, um, just to make sure that it's not only going to be 1090, more you know more efficient for cash flow but what we want to make sure is is it efficient is it going to be able to get you through the the length of time that you want to do it for so yeah we'll always look and we'll run you know internal rates of return for you we'll always compare what the guarantees are so you can actually see you know how the 1090 is working and if it's not we'll see if we can tweak it you know another way
0: big time yeah the guaranteed values if you do everything proper from a design standpoint you will see a minimum premium policy 10 out of 10 times deliver the strongest guarantees. The only way it doesn't is if you're sneaky and you manipulate the illustration, like you put a bigger term rider on or you're trying not to You can cheat to make the system, you know, show what you want it to show. But when you're trying to say, hey, what's the highest values guarantees? That 1090 design will do it. When you look at, yeah. And was- I'll also say it also depends on your health because I've
1: had other people who basically what happens is their health isn't as high as they'd like it to be. And so that does affect the um, guarantees and it also affects the cash flow as well because you're paying more for the insurance at that point. Um, But we will work with what you have to make sure that you're gonna get the most optimal policy regardless of your health and regardless of how much you're putting in.
0: Definitely. What about when you look at dividends and non-guaranteed values when you get that question, how do you how do you answer it? So you're looking at the fact of dividends. What do you mean by that? So when I look at the non-guaranteed values on illustration with a minimum premium product, 10 percent, will that give me the greatest value, especially long term, is a question that we get a lot. Yeah,
1: it's kind of interesting because people get lured into you know, something flashy. Right. Mm-hmm. Your dividends aren't as paying as much. Okay, I might have low dividends, but let's look at the cash value, you know, so when you start comparing, yeah, so, so what I'm trying to say is that sometimes you might see somebody else having a higher amount of dividends, but it doesn't mean that their cash value is going to be, you know, as high, you know, because they're maybe making more than um, like a 20, 80 or a 30, 70 or whatever. But what I can say is you know, the dividends, you know, it's a surplus. They don't have to pay those. The guarantees, they're guaranteed always take one to 2% off of whatever the guaranteed or the dividend rate is, because that's gonna be closer to what the internal rates of return are gonna be. Yeah. So one to 2% off, and then we can definitely run numbers for you. So you can see guarantees
0: versus guarantees, dividends, You know, just to kind of show you what those internal rates of returns look like. Mm-hmm. Right on. Thank you for that IRR point too. So then the, the final question, when you look at actual performance, which is hard to come by, um, what are people with policies that have been enforced when you've seen policies that have delivered the strongest cash values? Typically, what type, what type of designs do you see there? Or do you ever get that question first? Let me ask that. Yeah, re- rephrase that question again. Do you ever get question uh, as far as actual performance? So not illustrations, meaning not what's projected, but hey, what companies or products have actually delivered the strongest values? Sure, sure.
1: And, and that's one of those things. I do get those questions. They're not very frequent. Um, but what we, what we really take pride in, we're showing you something that actually has been performed over and over again. There's no second guessing of saying this was an illustration, but it looked great on paper. But the actual performance is less than stellar. Yeah. So we always want to make sure that we're giving you something that's worked. Um, I myself you know, have a policy that we're working with. And so I want to make sure that you know people understand that, too, because I'll tell them this is what I've got and this is why I picked it. Um, You know, people always ask, you know, how many policies do you have? You know, and I'm like, why are you asking? And they're like, well, I read this book, you know, from Nelson Nash and they had a lot of policies. So Mm -hmm. it's more or less trying to remind them, okay, we have to take it into perspective, but there's different reasons. Each policy is set up for a different reason. And don't just think, oh, I want to have five policies right away. Maximize what you have first. And then if you have extra, then you can go ahead, you know, and start divvying them out. So to answer that question again, you know, what about the performance? Yes, we will look to make sure that the performance is gonna be just like it's been shown, you know, and we keep asking other companies that come to us to say, how come you're not selling our stuff? Well, show us the performance, you know, show me the money. Don't just show me on paper that, hey, this will look good and, you know, it's all theoretical and it's all into the future, but unless you can say, yes, Here's an actual policy 10 years ago, and the performance is exactly what we said.
0: Yeah, there you go. And that's that's powerful right there because it's a whole other topic, but that's a big issue just in the industry in respect to whole life insurance products and the, the cash values under delivering from what was originally illustrated. Um, and there's a lot of reasons behind it. But when you have that concrete proof to say, hey, here's what's actually been delivered, test of time. Here's the actual policy design that went into it and then we see a different design with a higher premium split That has delivered lower cash values significantly lesser than what was anticipated So it's having that awareness to prevent that moment where I see my actual values my money and think Oh man, this didn't do what I thought it was going to do and that's the call the uh, the emotional point that we want to avoid or make sure it doesn't happen i don't like it when it happens to me and no one does for that matter right yeah. right great well appreciate your time so much anything else you wanted to to mention that i missed
1: no it's been you know it's been a really fun ride and i've enjoyed meeting with uh the clients that we've gotten and uh would love to be able to continue to do more so let us know how we're doing and uh you know we want to be able to work with you further
0: Yeah, no, no, thank you so much. I appreciate that, Steve. And it's been a pleasure having you here and looking forward to working with you in the years to come.
1: Absolutely. Definitely.
0: If anyone would like to reach out to Steve, we've got his contact info below. Feel free to reach out anytime. And Steve, thanks so much for your time. Appreciate it. Sure,
1: thanks. Take care, everybody. Thanks.